Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast here on the appropriately named Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast YouTube channel. Thank you so much for joining us. I cannot express greatly enough how happy I am to be back here with you today after last week, which was one of the worst weeks of my life for me personally. I don't know what it was. But for six straight days, I could not talk and I could barely eat. It felt like somebody was scraping a razor blade across my tonsils. It was bad. And I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. And thankfully, SP3 and our good buddy Alex McCarthy were able to pick up the slack for me last week and host Believe in Pro Wrestling. And we have decided today for our SummerSlam prediction show to cross that bridge across the great pond once again and bring in our good friend maddie paddock here thank you so much maddie for joining us here we always love getting uh, other people on the show especially for these big uh, pay-per-view uh, prediction shows and, and and pick other people's brains from around the industry and for those people who are unfamiliar with your work good sir tell them where they can find you what you've been doing what you got going on right now yeah, it's the home of fun stuff in the UK. Daddy Star um, covering WWE, AEW, all things pro wrestling. So yeah, uh, check check us out. Obviously, Matty Paddock on Twitter. I'm due to catch up actually uh, ahead of the launch of TNT Sports or the rebrand actually of, of BT Sport here in the UK oh, uh, with wow. with Seamus tomorrow. So hopefully some fun stuff there. But thanks for having me on, guys. It's got a big big fight, big event feel about it this week. So I'm very excited to get into all things SummerSlam. Let's let's do it. Yeah, there are eight matches uh, on the card, and I do believe that is going to be the final card. And that means, SP3, as we found out last night, two matches that we assumed were slam dunks for this show are not happening. And surprise, surprise, ladies and gentlemen, they're two women's matches. Who saw that one coming? Uh, we will dive into that. We will dive into all of your questions, comments, concerns. So get in as many of them as you can in the chat. What is going on, Stephen? Thank you for joining us uh, so much as always. Uh, if you have questions, if you have predictions, we'll get to as many of the comments as we can throughout the entirety of the show. Make sure to hammer that thumbs up button. And if you're new to the show, you like what you hear, make sure to hammer that subscribe button as well as we continue our, our climb to 1,000 subscribers and monetize, monetization, sweet, sweet monetization. Uh, what is going on, Safet? Thank you so much for uh, joining us here as well. First things first, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. We would not be here without them. They are your number one source for all of your betting needs this season and all seasons. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup information on baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available right from your smartphone. Or you can head over to the website today in addition to using your mobile device to sign up, get in on the action, and use our promo code BELIEVE, that is spelled B-L-E-A-V, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts and without further ado what is going on to noob and queen and everybody else who is joining us here in the chat thank you guys so much uh we will get to the card uh here in a few moments but let's let, let's talk about 
the matches that didn't make the card SP3 because you and I just a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, prematurely gave WWE a nice pat on the back because it looked like they were on pace to set a record. It looked like they were going to have four, if not five, women's matches on the card, four of them being one-on-one matches, which did not even happen at Evolution. That would have needed to include an EO Sky cash-in, which is still a possibility. Um, Among them were the triple threat match that we did get, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey, which we did get. And then last night on Raw SP3, we find out that not only is Rhea Ripley not defending her World Heavyweight Championship against Raquel Rodriguez, as originally reported was going to be happening, but Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, a feud five months in the making that started when Trish Stratus returned to the company on the February 27th edition of Monday Night Raw with the end date, the goal line from the get-go to be a one-on-one match, a dream matchup, a generation versus generation, best of the best, who is the true goat of this business, blow-off match was supposed to happen at SummerSlam. I guess goat versus goat, generation versus generation ain't good enough for SummerSlam anymore, SP3. Now it ain't even good enough for payback. We got to bump this stuff to a random Monday Night Raw in August in Canada. SP3, what the hell are we doing? What the hell are we doing? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I think this is the I think this is the furthest into an episode that I've, I've been able to talk. I was I was enjoying Rick going off. <laughs> He nailed the the ad read. Then he then he was, then he then he nailed. Yeah, he nailed. He went, he went, he went so smooth. Right, right, Benny went so smooth into explaining what happened, then into a full on read about it. Uh and it, it is it is solely because of Becky. But the reasoning for WWE is, I mean. They want to sell out another one. They want to make a record, a record. They're going to get another record. Their biggest, their biggest uh, grossing event in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. There is a big time feel. Yeah, it's kind of baffling that Rhea Ripley right now, ladies and gentlemen, is the hottest female wrestler in the world today. How the hell hasn't she defended the championship on a on a premium live event since Night of Champions. And when she did, it was only 69 seconds. And the time before that, it was only seven minutes. Like, what are we doing here? What are, what am I not getting? Is they just trying to say, hey, it doesn't matter what we do. We don't even have to put her in a match on, on the major event. She's still gonna be over. Like, I don't know if that's their that's their thinking with her, but as far as Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, it's like the fact that they did the match early, the first time early, that was the detriment. That was it. That that took the luster off of doing the match as originally planned at SummerSlam. It should have been the culmination here with the stipulation, whether it's Steel Cage or Lumberjack or whatever they want to do to keep Zoe out of this, however they want to do that. But, like, I saw from Jump, when I saw the report from Fightful about the plans for the show and that the plans for the show was Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch on the show, I was like, Becky got bailied again. Damn. Twice in one year. 
This is the same thing that happened with Bailey. When they did, when they didn't want to do something of the time they were supposed to do it, they just said, Oh, let's do a fake match, and then that leads to the real match, but it's not gonna be the real match on when the real match was supposed to happen. The real match in the Bailey feud was supposed to happen on the 30th anniversary. The yeah. real match for this Trish feud was supposed to happen at SummerSlam, and now it's got pushback. So Unfortunately, Becky Lynch got got this kind of same situation twice in one year. Yeah, and look, this is one of those situations where at least what we ended up with is better than what we almost got. Because when that report came out last night from Sean Rossap, I'm sitting here going, are we really about to have this match, a five-month build, generation versus generation, goat for goat, all that stuff that I said, on the 1020 slot on Monday Night Raw with no oh. advertisement whatsoever? Like, that's what I initially thought we were about. No, no, I knew. I knew from when I saw the report. I knew. I was like, there's not going to be a real match. I knew where, where when I saw the lineup for the show, I was like, oh, that's not going to be a real match. That if it was in the main event or if they had like a real segment, but it was a talking segment and then they were in the main event spot, I could see them having a real match. If they were in the actual main event, I could see them yeah. having a real match. If they were in the opener, I could see them having a real match. But at the spot they were at, I was like, oh, that's not going to be a real match. That's just going to set up probably the pay-per-view. They're going to be booked on on SummerSlam. And no, that book for that Edmonton show. No, and, and here's the thing, Maddie, because th there's a lot of... There's a lot of angles to, to look at this, right? Yeah. But this is not the first time that Triple H has done something like this in his year now as the chief content officer. Remember last year, his first week on the job, what did he do? He pulled Seth Rollins off of SummerSlam. This generation's Mr. SummerSlam pulled him off the card. But at least in that instance... It turned out to be the right decision, first off, because it gave him and Riddle more time to heat up. We got one of the best exchanges we've ever seen on Monday Night Raw with the Daniel Cormier, John Jones uh, uh, reenactment on Monday Night Raw, and it made their match in Cardiff better. It made it more, more must-see. In my opinion, anyway, SB3. You Could can, you have not done that by still having a, like a 15-minute match at SummerSlam? Like you, you could have had a great, sure. you could have had a great match at SummerSlam and done everything else that they did. So just because everything they did afterwards was good to great doesn't excuse the fact that they got pulled from sure. one of the okay. biggest shows of the and year. That, and that's in my enough. opinion. That's just and that's, me. And that's totally fair enough. But here's the thing: Seth and 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 Matt still both ended up on the show, so they they were booked in a pull apart brawl as opposed to a, a longer time filling match, because for whatever reason, WWE has it in their mind. We have a hard out at 11 PM Eastern time with these, with these pay-per-views. I don't get why that has to be the case, but it's, it's their arbitrary rule and that's what they've decided to do. And it feels like eight matches is, is the breaking point. So at least last year when they pulled Seth off, it was still a relatively fresh feud. It gave it more time to build, and they gave a reason for the match not to be on the card, Maddie, because they kayfabed an injury for Matt Riddle. They didn't even give us a kayfabe reason for why I Becky and Trish is not on the card this weekend. They just said, "Oh, that was no." Adam Pearce just booked it for two weeks away. I think the why? big problem we have here is if we are we are burning seriously through the goodwill that was built up in the opening months of, if you want to call it, the Triple H reign. I guess. Um, 
And of course, the lines are blurred, aren't they, really? Because we don't know, and we like to pass a comment as to, is this a Triple H call? Is this a Vince McMahon call? Is Vince in the weeds? Is he in the operating theatre? Where is he? What's he doing? What, what's his level of control? Uh, we'd like to know, but ultimately we don't know, and therefore we're having to guess. And I think the worst thing for any pro wrestling uh, company, if you've got your viewers week in, week out now, just as SP3 was saying there, once you become suspicious that you're not going to see what's being advertised in front of you as coming up next, so to speak, you, you're kind of on a on a losing battle, really. And over the last six months, WWE have... It's hard not to call it intentional because they've lined themselves up into so many really good promising opportunities, matches, feuds, promos, appearances, whatever. So many of these now, they've intentionally shot themselves in the foot almost to the point it's difficult really to defend as, I'm sure this is circumstantial. I'm sure there's an injury we don't know about. Or the one perhaps that Triple H comes out with quite often. I remember him saying it after uh, Drew McIntyre didn't, uh, win a title at Clash at the Castle, and after Cody didn't, didn't win at WrestleMania, and after LA Knight didn't get money in the bank, it's, you've got to be patient, guys. There's a bigger there's a bigger plan at play here. Just just watch. We're, we're planning big things. you just got to wait it out. Well, I, I think people are starting to lose patience with, with that as an explanation, and, and they're seeing through that, really. I'm not saying that they don't have big pictures in mind and they're not capable of, of telling long-term stories, but it's being executed pretty weakly across the board at the moment. And I think folks are losing patience in the women's division, particularly. And when we're getting to the point here where Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, like, and I know there are some people out there who have been uh, less than enthused with the build to this match. And that's perfectly fine. You're, you're entitled to your opinion, but there are matches on this card that I would say similarly about that. I have not been as invested in that still ended up on this card for other reasons. I'm going to Detroit this weekend. This was the match that booked my trip. This is what I wanted to see. I wanted to see Trish Stratus in a one-on-one -on -one matchup against Becky Lynch. Now, granted, I'm biased because Becky's my favorite, so I'm going to be more pissed than, than, than most people uh, in my situation. But that was the match that I wanted to see. And now, all of a sudden, it's been ripped away from me right and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear you say as well rick when you say there that you understand there are people who've perhaps not been a big fan of the build of this match i see that to be honest i i, I get that i don't think it, it's been i think becky's struggle for momentum in, in recent weeks and I, I i don't think particularly that this is um a match that's been that's been getting kind of oh uh-oh he'll be back with us yeah dropping that knowledge they're trying to hate on uh but I, I swear but, just because he was about to say something negative about a Becky Lynch build, I didn't I didn't cut him out. Exactly. That's what he did. Um, but no, I, I kind of agree with him. Like I haven't felt that invested in this matchup. I I would when you <laughs> there you go. I don't know. You, you just cut out, Hoss. Like all of a sudden it just said device is not active. And I'm like, uh <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> that, that sure. was not yeah, I I I don't know how we're in a position where as you say, almost undisputedly, and not a case of opinion, we do have two of the goats here uh, in women's wrestling, and Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch. So, you know, sort of as a as a side issue here, how are we in a situation where WWE perhaps isn't building this feud as well as they could, to the point where some people are saying, "I'm not feeling it," and to the point where ultimately they're pulling it from SummerSlam. How is that even an issue? This should, I mean, it, it's main event of SummerSlam level. Kind of caliber match this i mean i guess obviously you know roman reigns and the bloodline you know that's undisputed as a top story right now but any other year this is a match that could, that could top a card and it's 
not even close right now. How is that even possible as a build? It just seems surreal to me. Yeah, and SP3, you, you agreed with yeah, I, I kind of agree with him. It comes down to the booking of the rivalry and the fact that it just probably didn't get over in WWE eyes with the fans the way they wanted it to. And I'd be quite interested when you said there's matches on this card that you're not interested in. We have to we have to kind of make it a broad spectrum and be like, but does the fan is the fans interested in it? Because I see people in the chat mentioning the the battle royale. The Battle Royale, I don't even call it the SummerSlam Battle Royale. I call that the L.A. Knight match. That's all for L.A. Knight. That's for L.A. Knight to be on the card because he's one of the hottest acts in the company. So, yes, that needs to be on the card. And, that yes, that has my interest as well because it has L.A. Knight in it. I want to see L.A. Knight and look, get the his only reason and see. I, I either want to see WWE screw him over again or yeah. give him his moment. It, it's like a train wreck or success. Either way, so I am fine with that. And let's be honest. Let's getting be honest on this card over Trish and Becky. Let, let, let's be honest about something, though. LA Knight ain't on this card unless Slim Jim cuts a check. Slim Jim cut a check to put their name on this battle royal, and that's why it's on the card. And I'm not even hating on it. Ratings and revenue is everything. The more eyes that are on your product, the better. That's why Logan Paul's on this card right now. The more money you bring in, the better your product is. It's a business. I have no problem with Slim Jim putting out this money and giving LA Knight his match. I don't care. Love it. I'm fine with it. My biggest question is, why is 10 matches suddenly egregious? Like, we're talking maybe, maybe with entrances and depending on how long each of these met, an extra half hour on the show. An extra half hour, you can get Rhea Ripley a title defense and Becky and Trish still on this card, and you're out at 11.30 as opposed to 11. On a Saturday night in the summer. Who cares? That, mean, that means the press the presser doesn't start till midnight. I don't care. I don't that, care. They're personally. thinking about everything. You got to think about everything big terms. I know a lot of people try to try to put me into a bubble, but I try to think pro WWE. I think they're trying to think economically because of time. They put eight matches on this card, which is actually one more than Triple H's average for most premium live events. So I, I'll give him credit for that. Eight matches on this card. You got to think about like the main event's going to get 30, 30 minutes, probably 45 minutes with entrances and post-match and everything like and the commercials in between come on we're thinking we got a four-hour short right here if you can shrink down roman reigns entrance to around 20 to 25 minutes you get the trish and, and becky match anyway don't you no we need every single step of the walk we need every single step of the walk. We need the pageantry. We need the glamour. We need the extravagance of the Roman Reigns entrance. That's why I said four to five minutes, because usually for, for entrances and post-match, you're, you're looking at like seven to eight minutes. But with Roman Reigns, you're talking about 15 to 16 minutes added on for entrance and the post-match. So that's 45 minutes right there. With the commercial beforehand, we talk about 50 minutes right there. So, yeah, like they doing commercials between all these matches. You got to think about all this stuff. I know you're upset, 
Becky Lynch should be on this card. Absolutely. And maybe you could find a match that you could pull off this card to put it on there. But I think as far as match number, I think they're good at eight. Here, here's here's my other thing. Queen Safet brings up my next point. They should have stuck that battle royal on the pre-show and put Becky and Trish on the main card. What happened to pre-show matches and why are those no longer a thing? I understand that they used to be looked down upon as though, oh, well, you're not important enough to be on the main card. But I'm telling you right now, these people would rather be on the pre-show at 7.30 than not making the card at all. These hour-long pre-shows that WWE does with no matches on them is kind of pointless. What happened to pre-show matches? Why isn't that a thing? Because the Slim Jim Battle Royal has is made for a pre-show. It's made for a pre-show. Can you go back to it now? Now you've kind of binned pre-show matches. Can you, you know, apparently for that reason, it would seem. Can you go back to that now? Is that not? I, I mean, know, if I NXT can pull Raw Underground back from the dead, I think we can pull back premium live event pre-show matches. And they do it on NXT. They had a they had a pre they had a kickoff matchup on their uh, Great American Bash show on Sunday. So it's not out the realm of WWE possibility, but this is what WWE wants to go. And I don't know whether that's down to WWE saying, "Oh, it doesn't look good for us to have a match with empty seats around when we're when we're promoting this extravagant big time stadium event, and especially with stadiums, empty seats." stand out more in a stadium than it does in an arena where you can do lighting and stuff like that. And especially at that time in Detroit, it's probably going to be a light out. So it's going to be very noticeable. So I understand why they don't do the pre-show match, the pre-show matches. I honestly say do away with hour long pre-shows. If that's the case, do a half an hour of your talking heads. I'm totally fine with a half an hour of talking heads, but an hour they did two hours for WrestleMania what uh two years ago. I don't know if they did two hours this year. I forget. It's a I don't know. We had but, technical difficulties in the press box, so I have no idea how long they were going on. But yeah, like like they they are ridiculous with that talking heads. If they made it 30 minutes, it'd be a lot doable with no pre-show matches, but I get the reasoning behind no pre-show matches a little bit. Our boy Greg Bush uh, says, did they ever explain what the winner of the Battle Royal gets or are we getting a pointless Battle Royal instead of Becky and Trish? Yeah, no, they, they didn't explain. They're, they're, it's it's a Battle Royal. It, it, that's it. It's winner gets momentum. Winner gets exactly. momentum. The big it's, mo. It's the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That's what it is. That's what it is. The big mo, as Jonathan Coachman once said, the big mo. It's all about momentum. Steven, Steven Chambers says the winner gets a lifetime supply of Slim Jims. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. I would throw down for that. Like, I, w- I would be chucking bodies, just chucking them uh, over the top rope. I think a- as pissed off as I am that Becky and Trish is not on this card, though, to me, the are more. You, that, that's really not coming across. I, yeah. Are you unhappy about that? The fact that Rhea Ripley is not defending the World Heavyweight Championship. As can, as long as her and Raquel are legitimately healthy enough to do so, that's a problem. Like that is a major problem, and especially SP three. Like, look- like I mean, I mean, I, I think I said that from the very beginning. Like I was like, I was like, I understand Karen Becky Lynch fan. I know, but, but the I'm more never- egregious, the more yeah. egregious point of this is real. But we spent twenty minutes talking about Becky Lynch, and why? that's why, and that is why I want to circle back to Rhea right now because. 
This is a trickle-down effect for the rest of the roster. Because not only are you screwing Rhea out of her match, but remember SP3, they did not do Rhea versus Becky at SummerSlam because they were going to do Becky versus Trish at SummerSlam, which meant that they set up Rhea's next challenger to either be Liv Morgan or Raquel Rodriguez, which means, by the way, think about this, SP3. In the last four months, we have had four title changes with the Women's Tag Team Championships to set up singles feuds, and two of the damn feuds didn't even make the card. They took the Women's Tag Team titles and made them pawns four times in the last four months to set up four different singles feuds before they finally landed on Chelsea and Sonya. And then, oh, by the way, Chelsea and Sonya don't have a match this weekend, and their first match as champions, they were fed to Charlotte and Bianca in a Can They Coexist segment on SmackDown that could have been handed to Isla Dawn and Alba Fire, who have not been seen in weeks. I'm pretty sure this is exactly why Sasha and Naomi quit the last damn time that y'all did this. And they've now done it five times in four months. I just want to, like, I'll be, I'll be here and I'll be like setting up chairs and at this table when we want to have that, you know, conversation about Triple H not being good about women's booking. But, uh, you know, while I'm here setting the table and, you know, setting <laughs> up chairs for everybody else who want to come and have the conversation because hasn't been really good the past year. Um, uh, you have to look at you have to look at everything on this landscape and realize that regardless of the booking over the past year, they've had one really, really great thing happen. Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley has kind of evolved and found herself. And she's the, the hottest female star, one of the hottest stars, regardless of gender, in professional wrestling today. Mm-hmm. Everybody was waiting for the crumbling down of the bloodline. And I think the next great turn is when Rhea Ripley decides she's going to turn on Dominic Mysterio and become the biggest babyface female that we've seen since Becky Lynch in 2018-19. So I'm just ready for that. I think that WWE doesn't really understand what they have right now. I think they get that she's hot, but I don't think they get that she can be the biggest female star, even bigger than Becky Lynch, probably in 2018, 2019. But they just don't seem to to kind of realize that. Like you can open up a whole new world, especially if she turns on Dominic and the intergender matchup that needs to be on like a SummerSlam WrestleMania match in itself. Dominic versus Rhea. Come on, book it right there. She could go against the whole the whole male roster in intergender matches. That's why Rhea Ripley could be b- even bigger than what Becky Lynch was. And they just, it doesn't seem like they get it. They just having her hold around the title, having her get into these feuds. They're presenting her like she's a star, like she's a, like she's a dominant heel. But I don't think they get that they have somebody right now that can be on that Roman Reigns level. I don't think they really understand that right now. It doesn't seem like that from the booking. Maybe it is on the inside and I don't know something, but the fact that she's not on this card and the best that we can do for her is standing outside during Finn Balor's matchup against Seth Rollins. That's a damn shame. 
That feels like a damn shame. I know she's dealing with injuries. I know she's dealing with a lot. But there just seems like there's another way. A mixed tag match with Dominic and Rhea. If she's injured, there's ways around it. She can wrestle, obviously. She had a good matchup with Lyra Valkyria. We couldn't couldn't set up a mixed tag feud for Dominic and Rhea so Rhea doesn't have to work the whole matchup. Work five spots. Do two bumps. Do a couple of spots, dominate the heat. They found a way to put Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. She couldn't move. I just booked it for you. I just booked the match for you. SP3, I don't think it's the fact that they don't realize it. I think they realize it. They just don't prioritize it. They don't prioritize the women's division. And Maddie, honestly, what's the motivation to change? Because every single week we get some press release about how they're shattering records and they're selling out tickets and the ratings are higher than they've ever been. And what's the motivation to change? Why fix what isn't broke right now? Are are we as ridiculous as this sounds and as outrageous as this sounds? Have they worked themselves in a position with Rhea now where because she's been so dominant up against some of the top male performers that they almost feel um, I wouldn't say weakens Rhea, but somehow her character is diminished by working with other women in the roster. As stupid as that sounds, it feels almost like they see the value in her working with men and not with women, and that's a ridiculous situation. You 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 hit it right on the nose. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy from us fans that WWE has heard, where all the fans immediately, because of how they presented Rhea, have compared her to China, and they didn't. I don't think a lot of those fans even lived through China and realized the the <laughs> the, the the difficulty and the obstacle of booking China was that she could never work with the woman, and when she did, it was the end of her career. Because like you can't are, really... And Rhea, Rhea came up working with women. Don't make her as as b- bigger than she feels. You feel like she's lowering herself by working with women. It feels like they are getting to that point. Maddie hit it on the nose. And that's the thing, because I think having kind of, as you said, lived through China, I, I think from memory, she, Rhea is in a position now, especially if she goes on this way for another year or two, that she she surpasses China's career for me, even if she doesn't win a, a maybe a male title in the way China did or whatever. But um, yeah, she surpasses that. But I don't think that's a good thing for Rhea. I think that's absolute doomsday for her because yeah, I don't know how you ever build back up any female competitor to be her equal, really. I mean, she's got, at least from like, and I get it, she's, she's a really physically imposing woman, but you have people on the roster who can go, toe-to-toe with her Raquel Rodriguez being one of them Bianca Belair being another um I mean Becky Lynch from a, a, a frame standpoint is a bit of a mismatch but from a star power standpoint that's a match you should be building toward and should be a SummerSlam match but again you wanted to do Becky and Trish at SummerSlam and now you're not even doing Becky and Trish no no I, I don't I don't think that was the thing I think that I think if people people say if you say people are saying that oh they didn't do Becky and Rhea at SummerSlam because they wanted to do Becky and Trish no they wanted to do Becky and Rhea at WrestleMania that's why they didn't do Becky and <laughs> Becky and Rhea at at SummerSlam and that was the thing to do with Becky Lynch because she's a star of that star power put her in there with a Hall of Famer in Trish Stratus, but they never figured out what to do with, with Rhea Ripley. That's the yeah. issue here. That's the bigger problem. Well, they figured it out, but they did it apparently too late to put it on the damn card. Maybe Liv Morgan was the plan, but she got hurt, but okay, then pivot to Raquel. 
Maybe they still add that. I don't know. There's still time, but uh, we, we know we're not getting Becky and Trish. L- let me ask one question. What Hall of Famer, granted, they never advertised the match, so technically they didn't cut it. We're going off of reports here, so that there, there's one caveat to that. But what Hall of Famer, what other Hall of Famer would get booked for a show and then get pulled from it? I have to add as well, I think, pound for pound, I think Trish as a heel has been wildly entertaining, by the way. I don't know if I'm trying to read the room as to whether I'm in the minority there, but I've not realized how, especially on the mic as well, she's quite underrated in kind of how she delivers that role. I just feel it's almost been a little bit wasted, really. I, I do find it somewhat fitting that in the summer, that is Trish trying to, is, is Trish getting to live out all of the, um, opportunities that were not available during her heyday. WWE ends that summer by going back to the Divas era and cutting her match. I uh, appreciate everybody uh, who is tuning into the uh, chat right now. Uh, yes, yeah, Stephen Chambers, thank you, Trish, because she thank is. Thank you, Trish. Woman. Yes, thank thank you. some love to Trish. Seriously, I, I mean, there's, thank you, there's Trish. been other Hall of Famers that had matches pulled or had matches postponed to another another time for different reasons, and we don't know what the real reason is with Becky and Trish, but. Man, Trish, I agree with Maddie. She has been entertaining. Loved her promo last night. Uh, just just coming, uh, trying to save the promo around, which was not going too well. She turned it around with her humor. So, yes, Trish has been good in her role. We appreciate everybody who's in the chat. Give us a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And, uh, yeah, keep getting your comments, and we'll get to as many of them as possible. Let's dive into this card, uh, shall we? Again, we have eight matches, and let's talk about the Slim Jim extravaganza to start things out. The Summer Slam Battle Royal. We do not know all of the participants, but Maddie, we probably know the participant that that truly matters, and which is LA Knight. He has to be the odds-on favorite to win this matchup. I have not looked at the betting odds. Uh, who do you like in this one? Uh, I would agree with you, but it's not happening, is it? Surely, because I, I, I believe more than anything else that LA Knight was winning the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. I was there for SmackDown and, and Money in the Bank. He was like the crowd was so hot for him. I don't think they care really. Um, and like you said, really, what is winning the Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royal actually going to achieve for LA Knight anyway? What pedestal does that put him on? I don't think, as we said, they've not actually announced in terms of you know where that takes you next in line. Uh, I'd love to think it's LA Knight, but I think presumably one of the other still, I don't know, I guess you need at least maybe 10, 15 other competitors still to be announced. There's, yeah, there's one of them in there somewhere. Perhaps I'm just reversing it in my own mind and that we will get LA Knight with his hand raised, but I, I can't see it. I mean, last night we found out that Nakamura is going to be in there. Tommaso Ciampa is going to be in there. Bronson Reed probably going to be in there. We know Sheamus is going to be in there as well. SP3. Um, which one is it? Is LA Knight going to finally win literally anything or do they go with a swerve and, and give us somebody else? Cause this match truly doesn't really even matter at the end. It's just collecting a revenue paycheck. You also got alpha Academy and Imperium and I don't know what they're doing with the Ludwig Kaiser push. Ludwig Kaiser, Ludwig maybe Kaiser. a dark horse. Ludwig Kaiser uh, might be a dark horse to win the battle Royale, but Maddie hit it on the, hit it on the nose and then went away from it. The reason why LA Knight's going to win is because it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and I said, I said, the reason why he didn't want to, he wasn't going to win Money in the Bank is because WWE then had to answer a key question with LA Knight. 
and then what? Yeah, That's why they could, they couldn't put the money in the bank on him. With this, he can win, and they don't have to care about. And then what? It'll just be like, huh, maybe we'll get the U.S. title around. Maybe, I don't know, we'll take advantage of this hotly over guy that gets cheers everywhere, gets everybody chanting his name before the show even starts and stuff. Maybe they'll take advantage of it someday. Maybe not. But they don't have to answer the then what. So this seems like a great spot to give them a win. It does seem like a spot, but I've kind of reached the point where I'll, I'll, I'll believe he wins anything when he wins anything. I thought it was a slam dunk that he would at least get to the finals of the U.S. title invitational tournament. And then he didn't even do that. They decided to throw away Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio which they should be building toward for next year's WrestleMania, in my opinion. And they decided to do it on a random SmackDown in July as a qualifier for the United States title. And then unfortunately it ended early because Ray got hurt. Like LWO versus LWO. What? We keep hearing these reports. And I feel like we've been hearing reports since what? November that a push is coming for, for LA night. And we're still not there yet. At some point you've got to pull the trigger. But at this point, I don't know what that push looks like. You didn't want him to be money, Mr. Money in the Bank. Okay, fine. You didn't even want him to challenge for the United States title. So what does a push look like for LA Knight? Like, what, what is it? Let's forget a push. Let's start with a story. What's his story? Who's his rival? Let's start simple here. This match doesn't matter at all in the grand scheme of things because it has no stakes. So I'm going to pick Rhea Ripley. <laughs> Rhea Ripley wins the, the battle Royal by taking out all the dudes on the, in the damn field. And that's it. She just takes over or she helps Dominic win. Either way, that's it. It's well, judgment day wins the battle Royal. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going with it. Seems likely. That's how they get Rhea on the, on the card. That's how they get Rhea on the card. That's how they get her in action. She either, she either eliminates 12 dudes to help Dom win, or she just takes it her damn self. That seems like something WWE would do in this situation. So that's what I'm going with. Um, if there was, though, gentlemen, like we've been harping on the negative, and I hate doing that. If there is further proof outside of the bloodline storyline and outside of what they have been doing with most of Judgment Day, WWE can create really great content when they are motivated to do so. And last night, we saw two of the best character performances by Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler in their entire damn careers. Those two-part interview segments that they did were spectacular. Drawing off of real-life story between these two, and suddenly, in, in the blink of an eye, you had an entire audience that went from, oh, okay, hopefully this leads Shayna Baszler on to do good things as Ronda Rousey's about to exit the company again to holy shit I can't wait to see this match and these two are going to be throwing down in an MMA rules match which I think rules to be completely honest we know WWE can do good stuff and they have done this with Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey it seems like a foregone conclusion SP3 that Shayna Baszler will win this match uh, and hopefully that leads to good things I'm picking Shayna to win this but what they did last night with these two was spectacular I have never seen WWE like stick the landing like this. It was like 
it was like they were a plane that had turbulence and was going all like this. And then when they were about to land, they just gently did like this. And they landed perfectly. They landed perfectly on the target. And oh my God, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey made me so invested in this in this match that I said that the build for this matchup might be my second favorite on this whole card because they made sense of the topsy turvy kind of frantic booking of this whole situation. They explain why Shayna Baszler would just out of nowhere beat beat down uh, Ronda Rousey at Money in the Bank. They explain why every week it seemed like Shayna was a heel and a face. They said they explained why every week it seemed like Ronda was a heel or a face. It, they explained all of that because both video packages presented them as both heels and faces because in their story, in their individual story they're the wrong person in this whole thing in ronda rousey's uh eyes she's the king that opened our arms to the to the person who was struggling and propped them up and brought them to the big time in two different sports and now they're biting the hand that fade them and gave them too much they got they got resentful and entitled to what the king was giving them whereas Shayna baszler is like this king who just brings you into their house and beats you up all the time and now i have to look at her daughter that i love and mm. i have to know that at what i'm about to do to her mother oh my god it was just amazing the, the both of them crying it yeah. felt like a ufc style documentary of a fight that was about to happen this was some of the best work wwe has done this year some of the best work ronda rousey has done in her entire wwe career and as far as talking probably her entire career going back to ufc and Shayna baszler showed why they need to strap the rocket to her and if you want another challenger for rhea ripley on monday night raw after SummerSlam, Shayna baszler's right there for you yeah buddy yeah, no, it's almost I mean yeah, sorry. It's almost a shame that Ronda's leaving because it feels like they, they stumbled upon the formula to make her a, a really successful performer to match the prowess that came in with her in the company. Yeah, and I know it's kind of that wishy-washy thing we do. Whenever we get a, a feud of any kind in kind of the latter second half of the year where you, that we kind of like, oh, I hope they can stretch us out to WrestleMania. But I really did hope maybe that this would be something that could be long enough and maybe we'd get Shayna and, and Ronda out to... WrestleMania, that's not happening this year. Obviously, the report's fairly widespread that, that Ronda's on her way soon. But um, I don't know about you guys. But I, I felt almost a, a level of ignorance on my own part, really. I had no idea until maybe a month ago that, that Shayna was so good on the mic. You know, I had no idea because we never get the opportunity in WWE really to see her speak a great deal. Uh, I think it might have been the Royal promo after Money in the Bank. I think possibly. Um, but I just thought, oh, my goodness. Like... I want to listen to what she has to say. You know, she has a legitimate gripes here with this woman that has been her friend for all these years. And as you said, it's an actual, genuine, relatable story. And it's got people hooked. It's just a shame that we've only got two or three weeks to enjoy it. So who's yeah, winning? My, my biggest nitpick was that I wanted more weeks of this. Why didn't you do this last week? So we get two weeks of these. We get four. Because SP3, this wasn't WWE. This ain't WWE women's dialogue. This isn't WWE women's story. This was Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler saying, this is what we're doing. And WWE going, it's Ronda. All right, just do what you want. And then it freaking worked. 
This should be a lesson learned for WWE. Listen to your damn talent and do relatable stories. It's not hard. Maddie, who wins? For, uh, for my money, I think Shayna leaves Ronda in a bloodied heap. I think Ronda's basically saying, I'm on, my way, I'm on my way out. You're my best buddy. Do what you want to me. And I think it's going to be an absolute massacre. She still has not definitively been beaten in a match, at least not one-on-one. There's always been some kind of circumstance, some kind of outside interference, some kind of anything. If Ronda is gone, yeah, have Shayna Baszler wiped the fucking floor with her. Like, seriously. I, I don't I don't know if we know, is it out there, what Ronda's contractual status is as to whether you know she has these breaks sometimes. To be honest, it comes across as though she's got to a point where she can take a leave, pro wrestling, to be honest. So if this is her done, done, then sure. Get, you know, take a beating on the way out. I'm sure she will. Yeah, and if anybody she was going to do that for, it's obviously it's going to be Shayna Baszler and hopefully it leads somewhere. Uh, I'm this- also going with Shayna Baszler, by the way. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. Uh, this matchup was set up way back at the Royal Rumble. I am happy to see Ricochet getting this spot on a major show against Logan Paul. Um, Look, this one has a chance to make highlight reels uh, for years to come. It feels like Logan Paul has been on a bit of a a skid. Um, Great matches, but he hasn't been winning a whole lot. This feels to me like this is a match that, that he can win, and then he can have Samantha say his name as the ring announcer, and maybe you can even continue this feud on a little bit further. I'd like to see Ricochet get a big win on the stage, but this feels like it's set up and made for Logan Paul through nefarious tactics to beat Ricochet in this matchup. I'm going with Logan Paul. SP3, what say you? I was going with Logan Paul this whole week. I I thought it was a perfect opportunity to give him a big win on a big pay-per-view, but... I'm honestly going to go with Ricochet after okay. last night's Monday Night Raw because it just feels like you you can't you can't make them get sunned out. You get man talked about your girl and then you got knocked out and then you get beat at the pay-per-view. Like, there ain't no coming back for that for Ricochet. <laughs> you can't come back on a basketball court for that. You can't even get your mom some milk in the hood if that happened to you. Like, nah, man. Like, he got he to gotta win. So I'm going with Ricochet. Maddie? I'm with I'm with I'm with you. I'm afraid I th- I was thinking today it has to be Logan Paul's match because he's put in some great performances. Yeah, he gets the social media and, and the viral moments. But this is WWE and winning and losing ultimately still matters to a degree at least. Uh, and he never wins. So for me, uh, Ricochet gets a great showing. He gets put over. Whatever he, he looks a million dollars. He's got a singles match on a SummerSlam card. That's you know, yeah. it, it's great progress for him. But yeah, I, I see Logan with his hand raised. What was the last big singles match that Ricochet had? Wasn't it that, that two-minute squash match for the WWE Championship in Saudi Arabia? I've no doubt that but before he wins through the back door, as you say, he's going to make Ricochet look a million dollars. I genuinely feel Logan Paul is invested in, in doing that as well. To be honest. As yeah. much as he comes across and, and, and cuts this character of a guy that really could take or leave pro wrestling, I think he loves it. I think he cares about how his opponent looks. So he's going to do a good job, I think. Uh, Chase saying, this is what I want Logan Paul to do is use his outside, you know, power and, and popularity to get good dudes like Ricochet out there. And yes, I think that is a great way uh, to utilize Logan Paul and, and bring him in, not only to bring more eyes on the product, but to help elevate some of the other guys. This matchup is going to be painful to watch, uh, but <laughs> I'm going to enjoy every freaking 
second of it. Gunther, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre was my favorite match of WrestleMania weekend. I could have watched those three dudes beat the other loving crap out of each other for several more minutes than what we actually got in Los Angeles. I'm I'm glad that Drew is back. The buildup to this match has kind of been hit or miss, mostly because Drew has had other obligations. I believe he's filming a movie. Is that what I what I saw? But uh, he's not been there for half of it. So this this match feels a little bit rushed just because Drew hasn't been around. Um, I am genuinely concerned though here, SP3, because this is there's a real chance that Drew McIntyre wins this, and there is no way in hell that Gunther should drop that Intercontinental Championship before he passes the Honky Talk Man's record. And he's still about 60-some-odd days shy at this point. So I'm hoping that this is the start of a series and not a one-off in which Drew McIntyre takes the title because they, they got to do something to keep Drew happy because that contract is still coming up soon. Still lurking here. I think that is the start of a storyline but I think it's the start of the Drew McIntyre slow burn heel turn as he cannot beat Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. I got Gunther winning. I think this is going to be a barn burner. It's going to be hard hitting. It's going to be physically intense. And it's going to be, in my opinion, the match of the night and probably a match of the year candidate knowing Gunther when he's in the ring with someone as good as Drew McIntyre. Maddie, this one yeah, got a lot of special place in your heart. I, I was I was so sad for Drew at back at Clash at the Castle because I I was convinced a bit hard on the finish in the main event there. I really thought it was going to be Drew's moment, and I guess we put two and two together and thinking that those would create a difference. Is that kind of thing that that led to Drew's uh, absence? We'll never know if that was really the case, of course. Triple H or singing kind of... singing with Tyson Fury afterwards, probably. Well, that too. Why, yeah. Why? Why <laughs> I would be upset. But despite the fact that I was so invested in Drew, I have to say I am deeply, passionately in love with Gunther as Intercontinental Champion. I just, it's, it's, it's just everything about it is perfect. Imperium is, is perfect. Ludwig Kaiser is perfect. Gunther is perfect. And yeah, of course, it, it, it doesn't end this weekend. Of course it doesn't. My only thought is, how do they get to that point? Because for me, they've had uh, Gunther win through questionable tactics and through interference so many times. I mean, if that's the case again at the weekend, I think that really kills Drew a little bit. I think I don't know whether there's a return coming somewhere or whether there's a an outside factor that we're not thinking maybe. But yeah, definitely Gunther for the win, but I'm not quite sure how they get there. Stephen well, James when you look at his when you look at his actual title defenses, he never uses Imperium for the title defense. It's only been on his non-title matches on TV against Owens and Zayn that he usually he he has used their help when it comes to like the Mustafa Ali at Night of Champions or Riddle at Money in the Bank. He beat the hell out of them on his own like he's been he's been able to retain the title on his own so i think that it is a good spot where we could use imperium to protect drew mcintyre and he uses imperium uh, maybe either either giovanni takes the claymore for him trying to get back on his good side or mm -hmm. it's ludwig again who makes who is the person who's the key factor further bringing giovanni down uh, by just the position uh, Steven Chambers, do you guys see Ilya Dragunov joining Imperium? I'm not sure. I don't know, but I wouldn't use him in this situation. For me, honestly, for me, I'll, and I'll let you chime in on that, SP3. For me, honestly, the story of this match, and you brought it up, SP3, 
It's the redemption of Giovanni Vinci. Like, he needs to get back on Gunther's good side. So that's the play in my book, is whether he takes the bullet for Gunther and allows Gunther to sneak in and get the win, or he definitely is the guy who, who allows Gunther to win the match. We saw Ludwig get back on his good side last night by beating Matt Riddle. This Saturday, it's Giovanni who gets back on his good side by helping him retain the Intercontinental Championship against uh, Drew McIntyre to continue that. Or Imperium gets chased off by Alpha Academy after a great match that we saw last night between Chad Gable and Gunther. Wouldn't mind running that back again. I think there's options here, but I'm going to go with Giovanni being the guy that helps Gunther retain and protect Drew. Now you look like you had something to say there, SB3, about Ilya Dragunov. No, because I'm uh, I was about to get mad at Stephen Chambers, and I'm really I'm going to get mad at, mad at Rick Uchino because he brought this up last week, and now you got Stephen Chambers last week, or no, 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 two weeks ago, whatever week ago, the last time we had a show, last show. Uh, okay. Okay. okay, sorry, not last week, last show. Got to specify last show. You brought it up there. Now you got Stephen Chambers asking in this chat here, and none of y'all are gonna acknowledge the fact that Ilya Dragunov basically said what I said when you said this on the show, and I said that's stupid. That's stupid. That is stupid, ladies and gentlemen. It is stupid. John Cena and Randy Orton should not be tag team partners. John Cena and Edge should not be tag team partners. Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat should not be tag team partners. So I'm just saying, when you have these longtime rivals that have these chemistry together as opponents, yeah. you don't do that. And Ilya Dragunov basically said that. He was like, he was like, yeah, I've heard that before, and that sounds stupid. He was like, that's that sounds stupid. He was when like, did no, I that ever bring sense. up Ilya Dragunov joining Imperium? I don't remember talking. When we about talked that. about when we talked about Dragunov in the in the draft, so I don't think it was the last show, but it was, oh, like, was when we talk talked about Dragunov in the draft, and that was the rumor that was going on. Okay, I, I maybe just brought up the rumor, but I never said that I was on board with that idea. Let's just get that out of the way right now. Um, this is a matchup that I think is honestly the, the the most interesting as far as finish is concerned on the card because I could see this going one of three ways. Either the status quo remains the same and Seth Rollins continues to be the guy on Monday Night Raw. Finn Balor finally gets his revenge seven years after the fact. And then Damian Priest cashes in or simply Damian Priest just cashes in and walks away as the world heavyweight champion. Somehow, some way, SP3, I think I, Triple H is going to give us a big moment. Last year, we got a bunch of big splashes at SummerSlam. This is his year return. I think we're going to get some big moments on this show, even though two of the bigger matches have been pulled from this card, as we talked about earlier. I think this is one of them. I think this is one of the shock changes. I am going to predict that Finn Balor, defeat Seth Rollins to get his revenge and capture the world heavyweight championship. And then Damian priest cashes in on Finn to walk away as the world heavyweight champion. I think we get that big shock moment this weekend. I don't think we get that shock moment. I think now after last night's raw, I, I usually like to dictate my predictions based on the go home angle sure. and based on Seth and Sammy winning in the main event and Seth standing tall once again and Finn not looking the best. 
it seems like the right time to pull the trigger. I think that it should look like Priest is about to cash in, which distracts Seth Rollins. Basically, the result that Priest intended for at Money in the Bank, and that leads to Seth, that leads to Finn Balor getting the win after maybe like the referees distracted. Priest hits him with the briefcase, Seth. Balor hits the coup de gras. One, two, three. Thanks to Damian Priest, Finn Balor is the world heavyweight champion. And then you have the story of Finn basically having a loaded gun at, at his back the entire time. Like he doesn't know if his I, friend I, I is going to cash in on him. I could get on board with that. I would, I would not mind. I honestly, I think the, the, the option of this that I, I dislike the most is Seth walking out as the world heavyweight champion again. I think judgment day is taking over as they should. This was the group that was logic, the logical choice to assume the bloodline role. Once the bloodline dissolved the way that it has, there's still uh, a major figure in this civil war over on SmackDown, but judgment day is consuming all three brands at this point. Now with dirty Dom as the, the North American champion, it's gotta be Finn or it's gotta be Damien. They could rush it and put Damien on it. And I wouldn't be mad. They could slow play it and have Finn walk out with the title. I'm good either way. I'm I'm perfectly fine. Maddie, what, what do you think goes down this weekend? I don't know if it's because we've been perhaps a bit spoiled in the Triple H era where we've had that continuation of a very long Gunther title reign and obviously Roman's been champion for uh, 67 years now. I don't I don't know whether it's just that, but I, I don't I don't see Seth uh, losing the World Heavyweight Championship so soon after winning it. I mean, in, in, in modern terms now, it's a very short reign that he's had. I would like oh, yeah. to think maybe they establish him a little bit more and maybe move towards WrestleMania. But having heard your arguments, I think, again, I don't think you can afford to stunt Judgment Day's momentum anymore. I mean, they're on such a roll that maybe, actually, the inevitable outcome is the championship change. I, I don't know which way around it I like it most. I don't necessarily see uh, Finn Balor winning the match. So, as you say, maybe there is a cash-in or, or a false cash-in, something. I think it's going to get messy, basically. There's going to be nothing clean oh, about the end sure. of this match. Oh, for sure. There's going to be, yeah. The, Triple H is going to be all on his bullshit on this one. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. that 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 is a stone-cold fact on this one. And, look, that's... This is honestly why I'm almost advocating for Seth to drop the title because it feels like every championship reign outside of the women's tag team titles is an endurance test anymore. Like Roman Reigns has had it for three years. The Usos had it for over 600 days. Uh, Bianca Belair had it for over 430 days. And Gunther is now approaching uh, the 400 and some odd days with the title and breaking honky tonk man's record. And, uh, Austin Theory inconceivably has had the United States championship for well over 250 days at this point. It's like enough's enough. Not everything needs to be a damn endurance test. As long as it's a meaningful moment, I think it'll be more meaningful for judgment day to walk away with that championship. This You're is a, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say before we move. Yeah. I, I just think the one championship in WWE that needed a real establishment and a real cementing is this new world heavyweight championship because people were so dubious about its introduction. I don't, I, just, I worry about it long term. I guess if you end up having, uh, say, Finn win and then a cash in, uh, and you have successive title changes, I, I don't know. I just think it dilutes things um, a little bit. But maybe I'm thinking a little bit too, a little bit too intently about championships. Maybe it doesn't matter. Length doesn't yeah. necessarily mean quality. By the way, look at what they've mm -hmm. done with the United States title and Austin Theory. Go ahead. 
yeah, I kind of, I kind of get where Maddie's coming from, but then I also have the counter argument because I get them, you know, trying to establish this new championship. But my counter argument is, what have they done that's really established this championship other than Seth? Basically, no one has ever earned an opportunity at mm. this championship. They just either axe or answer an open challenge or challenge Seth even after they've lost their previous matchup and he's feuded with Judgment Day. That's been it. That's pretty much it. Been it. That's that's been his world, his world championship reign. So that that doesn't really tell me. Oh, WWE is really concentrated on making this an important championship that we have big time matches for. No, nothing about this. Their booking has told me that at all. This next matchup, gotta watch out for the Money in the Bank uh, cash in as well. Hopefully, Bailey and uh, EO Sky uh, get on this card somewhere. As uh, at least, even if it's a, a failed attempt, not a not a cash in attempt, but like a failed attempt to actually cash in. Um, it's been the one year anniversary uh, here of uh, of Damage Control, but this is a matchup, guys, that has been built more around Bianca and Charlotte than it necessarily has the champion Asuka in this situation. Does that mean that Asuka is kind of a red herring here? We're fo- we, we all are kind of focusing on Charlotte and Bianca and maybe expecting one of them to walk away as the champion. And maybe they they're just pulling the wool over our eyes and it's, it's really going to be Asuka that walks away. I genuinely don't know who's winning this match this weekend. It could be none of them. EO Sky could walk away as the, as the WWE women's champion is. I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. So I, I'm going to go last and let you guys try to sway me. SP3, what do you think here? Asuka retains using the whole animosity between Bianca and Charlotte against them. And then EO Sky cashes in successfully to become the new WWE Women's Champion. And they can say the one year after the, the debut of Damage Control, EO Sky has won the Women's Championship. This group has been chasing this title for a full year. And now EO Sky has finally done it. I can't argue with a single word of that. I, I don't think there's any way that either Bianca Belair or, or Charlotte Flair walk out uh, with, with the championship at all, because as you say, their animosity is unfortunately uh, the bigger story over the championship, which is a shame in itself. But uh, a cash-in works. And for me, I guess maybe we lead towards a, a turn from Bailey, possibly. That's that's what I'm thinking. But um, yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's stone cold for Oscar all day on, on the weekend. Charlotte Flair walks out with the championship because it's WWE. And if there's one thing they're going to do, they're going to book Charlotte over Oscar. So that is where I am going with that one. Uh, we got the final chapter here, because if there's one thing that Cody Rhodes can do other than put out a damn good documentary, by the way, uh, it is have a great series of matches. And this is the finale. We believe between himself and Brock Lesnar, the, 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 the big roadblock, on his journey to finishing the story, SP3, is this a catapult for him to get some kind of a world title shot, or does he fall all the way back down to the bottom of the mountain of adversity and have to begin the climb all over again? So you see, as as you know, I said with Ronda and Shayna, where they stuck the landing so well, they made sense 
of a build that was confusing at times, boring at other times, not as interested for a lot of people at times. They made it all better by having a superb final landing. The final bill for Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar was once again, like last week, where I felt like I was like, I've seen this episode before. I was like, I've, I've seen this before. I've seen Brock beats up Cody with steel steps, hurts Cody's arm. I've seen, I've seen this before. Am I am I watching the same episode? Monday Night Raw. Everything else on the show was really good. This is the be- probably the best go home show Triple H has produced in his whole year. But this is the this is the one where I was just like left with thinking about and absorbing four months of this whole story. Where a lot of times it just felt like we just kept repeating. We just did A B. To be, 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 C, 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 and now we're finally at D. Like, like I, I, I'm like, it feels like it's just they have to have a great matchup. I don't think any of the matches have been great. I think they've been really good but they haven't been great. They haven't been on the level of the previous trilogy that I can bring up from Cody Rhodes, which was him and Seth Rollins. It wasn't even on the level of, you know, him and Brody Lee back in AEW, like him and Sammy Guevara back in AEW. I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even say it was as good as that. So they have to have a great matchup because they're at that point. Cody Rhodes has to win as well so he can move on from all of this, but they really have to stick the landing and not having a stipulation for this after all the reports and how the build has been. It needs a stipulation unless they're going to announce it when they make the introductions. I don't know what's going on here. That's what Stephen Chambers said in the in the in the chat. Disappointed. No stipulation for Cody the Brock, although he is picking Cody. Uh, to me, SP3, the reason why these matches haven't landed is because of the finishes. The finishes have just not been great. They have not been definitive. And a great match needs a great ending. And so far, these first two have not really have not really had them. And this one needs one. And I don't know how they how they get there. How does Brock or how does Cody definitively beat Brock? Uh, is, is going to be interesting. And why is it? I'm so, I'm sorry, but why, but why is it that WWE is the only company that book literally books finishes for rematches and books finishes that hurt mat that make matches not perfect? Like I know WWE fan, every great match they want to give five stars to. Reason why a lot of these matches aren't five stars is because they book it not to be. Like I don't understand why WWE is the only company that does that. And you're absolutely right. The finishes to Cody and Brock have been all about setting up the next matchup. Yeah. It hasn't been about having a great matchup. It's it's Brock and, and Lashley all over again, and we never even got the finish to that. Go ahead, man. Yeah, again, you've kind of taken the words out of my mouth. I was just thinking there. Yeah, w- we have this this thing where WWE's big marquee matches really are only to set up the next big marquee match, and that's what we've had here. Uh, I don't see any way that Cody doesn't win because I don't see any advantage to Brock Lesnar winning this match whatsoever. Um, it sounds again like Brock might be due another break and he's going to go off on his way again, and I assume perhaps we'll have the stellar match that we're all pulling for. Cody's going to win, and either at SummerSlam or the Raw after, someone is going to come back and think it may be a Randy Orton, and there's going to be another roadblock for Cody somewhere, isn't there? There's going to be something like that. 
uh, Cody will will win, but whether it's decisive enough because of something like that, that's what I'm thinking. Again, it's got to be messy rather than clean, hasn't it? And I, I, WWE has this obsession over repetition at times, and one of the favourite things they seem to enjoy repeating at the moment is is I, I'm not sure exactly what it is they're doing with Cody, and Cody seems on board. And he throws the line and he's very uh, supportive uh, in terms of his booking and the way he's been presented. But he must be getting pretty cheesed off with the fact that not only did he not take the title from Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, but with every feud and with every event since, he's moving further and further and further away from that. So, yes, he wins at SummerSlam, but he's getting further back towards the back of the line rather than moving forward, I'm afraid. Two things, Matty. To answer your question is why the WWE's big marquee matchups is only used to set up the next big marquee matchups. Triple H said it himself, the story never ends, man. It's always about mm. what's next. It's always about that next chapter. We can't have a happy ending because there's no endings, Matty. It never ends. It is the never-ending story. By the way, you brought up Randy Orton. Uh, perfect time for an update for FIFA Select. On Randy Orton, by the way, I think enough time has passed uh, that I can uh, share this now. Uh, Randy Orton is healing up from fusion surgery, uh, but they are not hearing that he is back just yet. Uh, he has resumed working out, has not resumed bumping. When asked uh, about a possible return for Randy Orton at SummerSlam, WWE sources told Fifold not to count on it. So typically, so yeah, so typically... If somebody's coming back, they don't they don't say anything, right? They're not going to flat out lie. They're not going to feed Sean bad information. And if they do feed Sean bad information, he's really good about sourcing it. So I would not expect I would not expect uh, Randy to come back this weekend. But Chase maybe shines a light on something. Maybe Bray Wyatt steps in and we get Cody and, and Bray Wyatt in the triumphant return. And that carries him even further down the rabbit hole of madness, quite literally. And again, it's just he's on a raft and he's swimming out into the middle of the ocean and he's trying to get back to the island of relevancy. But the tide just keeps pulling him further and further away. At this point, I don't know if Cody comes back by WrestleMania 40 to take on Roman Reigns. I just don't. I think he will. They, they. It's not like he's lost momentum. They just put him on a oh, treadmill. Yeah. He's just in the same spot. <laughs> they just put him on a treadmill. He's in the same spot that he was. He's a gerbil. He's the gerbil and just, in the ball. And, and yeah, he's he's a gerbil in the ball. But the light that was underneath him, you know, that spark. They talk about being hot. That that light is flickering though now. That that <laughs> that's not that's not as as the flame is not as profound as it once was. Final match of the night, tribal combat, everything is on the line. The WWE Universal Championship being the tribal chief of the bloodline. It's Roman Reigns. It's Jey Uso. There has been a groundswell of people out there, at least on social media anyway, that really want Jey Uso to win this match. They want Jey Uso to be the guy who takes down Roman Reigns. And this is now the fourth time that this has happened, that there has been an overwhelming support for one person to take down Roman Reigns. It had to be Drew McIntyre at Clash of the Castle. It had to be Sami Zayn in Montreal. It had to be Cody Rhodes, and should have been Cody Rhodes at the main event of WrestleMania. And it now has to be Jey Uso. You kind of have to give credit to WWE on this one that they keep coming up with these dudes that just have to be the one that beats Roman Reigns 
I do not believe Jey Uso will be the one to beat Roman Reigns to steal a line from uh, from SP3 that he's already said on this show, and I 100% agree with him. Jey Uso wins the title, and then what? Where do you go from there? The story with Roman Reigns ain't over. He is in, let's see, at WrestleMania, he said he's only in the third inning. Well, guess what? He's just into the bottom of the fifth right now and just gave up his first hit of the ball game. And they are, his team is still winning eight, nothing. All right. Like this, he ain't even sweating at this point. Jay Uso already got his moment when he pinned Roman Reigns. That was the money angle that meant more honestly than winning the championship. People will remember. People are going to remember when Roman eventually drops the title, but people will also remember the first time he got beat in more than three years and the fact that it was main event Jay Uso who did it. So that is his win. Roman is winning this. I don't know who the next challenger is after this. He is not advertised for any of like the next three pay-per-views, but that's not anything new. He didn't defend the title after SummerSlam between then and December last year. So, um... We'll see where things go from there. Maybe the United States title gets thrown into the limelight in, in over on SmackDown, and that's that's the angle that they take with things. I don't know. Uh, maybe Giuso can win the, the United States championship if Santos Escobar doesn't, or if LA Knight doesn't. I don't know. I do know Roman Reigns is walking out with the Universal Championship uh, this Saturday. SP3, what do you think? I would I wouldn't be surprised if Roman Reigns gets added to like a Survivor Series or something like that, but we shall see. I think that Roman Reigns does retain the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, but does he retain the status of the Tribal Chief? I think that he wins in a way that they question his status and that it leads to more matches between him and Jay in different combinations and how I see the finish. I think we're going to see all smoke and mirrors because it's a no DQ tribal combat match, meaning that hopefully we don't need a ref bump. You don't need a ref bump, ladies and gentlemen, because it's no DQ. So we don't need a damn ref bump in a Roman Reigns matches. I get hot flashes whenever <laughs> it happens. I have PTSD because nothing matters until that ref bump happens. Uh, but yeah, hopefully you don't need that. And they can have a great matchup. Solo will get involved. Heyman will be at ringside. Jimmy will be back. And I think that's the key. And I think for the second time this year, Jimmy Uso aims for this time Roman Reigns and he hits Jay and that leads to Jay losing to Roman where you can do at payback Jimmy versus Jay one-on-one even though it was an accident it's still you could still have Heyman showing up even though Roman's not around and he's instigating everything between them and he works it out with Adam Pierce to make them go one-on-one at yeah. payback and he's going to be kind of the shit stirrer that's kind of building the heat and the tension between them on the way to payback and how everything breaks out at payback. You can lead to a rematch at Fastlane. You're going to need this bloodline storyline yeah. to keep going on. And how you do it is you set up Jimmy and Jay in with the finish of this matchup. What do you think, Matty? For me, it speaks, and you said this, Rick, it speaks to the strength of, of WWE story, uh, uh, storytelling with the bloodline, at least, uh, that really, if we're honest, and we look ourselves in the mirror in a quiet moment, and we whisper, everyone knows that Roman wins and retains at the weekend. 
everyone knows that that's the result. But it's been such a well-built story that we actually think, well, maybe, maybe. We know it's not really happening, but we're thinking, well, maybe possibly. So congratulations, as you say, to them for that, because it's creating that doubt. But seriously, at the bottom line, there's no way that climate change happens here, and it shouldn't. And I think you made the point, SP3, that it's almost not about the undisputed WWE Championship. Now, I think even Roman said on, I'm not sure if it was last week on SmackDown, maybe the week before, um, he even said it's not about this anymore. He even actually said that out loud. It's not about the championship. I don't think SummerSlam is about the championship. I think it's the case that Roman walks away with the goal, but there's the bigger picture that maybe we see the elders in, in whatever form they take. Uh, at SummerSlam, maybe there's a changing of the guard, maybe there's some sort of ceremonial moment they don't like the way Roman wins perhaps and maybe there's some great shame to be thrown Roman's way as the show closes at the weekend, maybe that's the bigger picture in the story for SummerSlam rather than the championship. Just came up with plan B because of what Maddie says. Roman wins because of Solo again and you have the elders come out and you think they're going to put the lay on Roman and they say no, and they put it on Solo because that's now twice this year. It's Solo is the reason he has the Undisputed Universal Championship, and they put the lay on Solo, and that's how you end the show. I, I think that is extremely likely because if you look at the subtleties of this storyline, every single time that they show a crack in Roman's armor, it is Solo who is there as the rock pun intended because i know people are expecting me to ask about him and i will ask about him in a minute here but he is the, he is the, the the rock he is the the guy who who stays on task and gets roman back up on the horse the tag team match against the usos where he thought that he had it won and he didn't and he starts having a mental breakdown in the middle of the ring it was solo who looked over him like motherfucker what are you doing get your ass up we got work to do solo has always been that guy roman did not add solo to the bloodline the elders did he always answers to the elders so if the elders decide hey roman's not our guy anymore because we don't trust him but we have seen the work that you're doing i think that's brilliant storytelling and that adds another layer because now you can move on to Roman versus Solo. You can move on to Jimmy versus Jay, whichever way you want to do that. You can continue this bloodline civil war as they continue to fraction apart from one another. The other caveat to this is, and Stephen Chambers brought it up in the chat, Hollywood's on a strike right now. There is nothing that is keeping Dwayne The Rock Johnson from showing up in Detroit to finally return to WWE. There's no movie set that he has to be on. There's no nothing. They are on strike and there's no sign that that is ending anytime soon. So he may, he's not going to wrestle. He's probably not ready to wrestle, at least from a cardio standpoint. But could you have The Rock come in to set something up for Survivor Series? If, if he has no commitments on the books for the next three months? Absolutely you could. I don't know if that's the direction they decide to go, but I would say there is there is a more realistic chance that The Rock shows up this weekend than any other time that he's been rumored to show up before. I would still put it at less than 15%, but it's a higher chance than what we've had before. Nah. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm, uh, it didn't happen at WrestleMania 39. I'm over it. I'm not going to excited about it. Not going to think about it until it happens. If it happens, I'll, maybe I'll get excited. Maybe I won't. 
I don't know. I don't care. My answer is eh. bringing back big superstars at the end of SummerSlam is what WWE has done the last few years, including with Roman Reigns. They did it with John. They did it with Brock. Could they do it with Rock, Maddie? I don't know. It's a legitimate question now. It is a legitimate question. Yeah, I, I I think we spent years talking about this leading to Roman v. The Rock, you know, the Roman build, the Roman character, the, the tribal chief was building towards Roman and Rock. And I think we've, we've known for a while now that it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But actually, I think we're at a point now where I almost feel like it doesn't, the story doesn't need it. I mean, these, these guys, you think of the Usos, you think of Solo and everything else in between it. I don't want to sound disrespectful. Rock's one of the greatest of all time, and it would be great to see him again at WWE. But for all that time we spent thinking, yeah, that's the dream match, Roman and Rock. I think they can carry on without him now. I don't really see where he... I get how this will sound, but I don't really see how he's a natural fit for the story now. They haven't done it already. I don't see why they do it now. It's a fair point. So we're all on the Roman train? I think so. The reign of terror continues sp3 what you got going on for true heel heat for SummerSlam weekend the reigns of terror continues <laughs> um yes uh check out the true heel heat uh youtube channel that is t-r-u no e uh check it out over there we got plenty of great content for SummerSlam week seven days a week i'll be live tomorrow at 12.05 p.m eastern time with our wwe SummerSlam 2023 preview it will be myself Romeo and special guest Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report joining us live to preview the card. I'll also be live on Thursday for the Dynamite Review, Friday for Dark Side of the Ring Review, uh, Saturday flagship podcast. We got special guests, I'll announce it here, Dutch Mantel joining us on the Saturday flagship podcast. And then Sunday, we'll be reviewing SummerSlam. Maddie, what you got going on? Well, I'm not topping that for a start. Uh, I'll be sitting down tomorrow with Seamus to talk all things uh, WWE and SummerSlam. Uh, yeah, so check me out on Twitter and Daily Star, the home of fun stuff here in the UK and uh, plenty of your top wrestling coverage as well. But thanks for having me, guys. This has been fun. I feel like we've got a lot of um, a lot of angst and a lot of good energy tonight. So thanks Dude, very much yes. for having me on. Yeah. No, the the. By the way, I did write an article uh, today. I wasn't planning on it, but I could not sleep last night. So at one a.m., I got up and cranked out twenty five hundred words and put it up on cagesideseat.com. So it's there now. It is my pin tweet up. Uh, you can follow me at at Rick Uchino, and you can follow me on Threads too. That's a thing still, I think. Uh, same same handle. Uh, same handle. You can follow me there uh, as well uh, to get all my work for for cage side seats and for here as well. I am actually shipping out to Detroit, Michigan uh, tomorrow. I will be speaking with numerous WWE superstars throughout the week. Uh, some of that will be coming out ahead of SummerSlam. Uh, most of that will be coming out after SummerSlam, but it is still a good reason why you should subscribe to the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel and follow me on Twitter as well. Maddie, been a blast. Thank you so much, sir. SP3, thank you as well. We'll be back normal time, same time, right here, 2 o'clock next Tuesday, recapping SummerSlam and all the big doings uh, that's going on. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for chiming in. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy professional wrestling. Enjoy SummerSlam. This has been the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.